This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Ahmad Fuad Rahman. Welcome to Night School, the show that explores key themes in history, the social sciences and the humanities. We critically unpack theories, frameworks and social phenomena the better to understand how society works. Each week we discuss a classic text, theme or an idea that we hope to shed light on the world around you. We have the novelist, author slash activist Utaya Sankar SB with us here today to talk about Indian influences on Malay culture. Welcome to the show, Utaya. Thank you, what? So before we get into the nitty-gritty details, let's just get a bit more of your background because I think you're doing a lot of fascinating work. One of the reasons why it's been really a pleasure for me to collaborate with you, to support your work is because you bring very, very fresh perspectives on Malay culture, observations on politics, but from an Indian perspective using Bahasa. True. Uh, people normally ask me, why why do I write in Bahasa Malaysia and why not in Tamil? Or, or English, right? Or, or yeah. English. It's very easy because if I were to write in Tamil, the readership would be very small, very limited. And if I were to write in English, of course, yes, it could be read internationally, but certain people in Malaysia will not be privileged enough to be able to read what I'm writing. So the best would be to write in Bahasa Malaysia and no Malaysian has any excuse to say that they are unable to read what I'm writing mm-hmm. in Bahasa Malaysia. Yeah. But the risk is that you open yourself up more to criticism, attacks, threats, because you're very outspoken. That's the fun part of being a writer <laughs> and a thinker, right? <laughs> That's true. It shows people are reading and reading. it shows they're moved by your yes, work, right? Exactly, not indifferent. Yeah. I, I want some uh, some command from them, some action from them. That's yeah. the whole fun of being a writer. Yeah. And one of the things that you've pushed, or not pushed, but you've mentioned a lot is this interconnection between Malay culture and its Indian past, its Indian background. Why do you think that's important or noteworthy? Because, you see, one way to, when we speak about integration, uh, the main three races in Malaysia, majority Malays, then we have Indians, Chinese, and of course, we are not forgetting the other ethnic groups, but we, um, let's talk about the main three groups. We normally look at the majority group and we are trying to forget or we often forget about the culture or the background of the other minority groups. Here, we are discussing about mm-hmm, Indians, mm-hmm. Uh, where in fact, there is a long connection between the Indians in India and the Malaysian people, or the Malays mainly in this country, there has been a relation for a very long time. We have some people who try to forget the fact. They want to deny the connection, which I find very unfair. Mm -hmm. It's also happening historically, especially in historical books, Malaysian history textbook. Mm -hmm. And uh, one way, what I can do is through my writing, either published in online or in articles or... Your books. My books, Mm -hmm or what I write on my Facebook wall. Mm -hmm. Now, how long is it? Because people don't quite get just how embedded that cultural influence is because Mm -hmm. Hinduism itself is 4,000 years old, right? At least that's sort of... People speculate more, but Mm -hmm. let's just say conventionally, people say 4,000 years old. So is it that long or how do you start to map out or chart the interconnection between cultures in peninsula or even the you know uh, nusantara more broadly with the indian subcontinent 
Okay, whenever we speak about Indians in Malaysia, including in schools or university or when the politicians speak, we always say, yeah, we have Indians in Malaysia. The British brought them here as labourers. Yeah, fact, correct. But we are forgetting long before the British came here, the Indian traders have already been here. And if we look into our Sejarah Melayu, the Malay Annals, everything is there. It's written there. It shows that even in the political scenario of the Malay Malacca Sultanate, we have Bandahara. The Bandahara are mainly people of Indian blood. Hmm. They are there. They play a very important role in the politics of Malay in Malacca. Mm -hmm. It's there. And even longer, even before that, traders from India have been coming to Malacca mainly, to Malacca. Before that, they were going to Sumatra, of course, when they came to Malacca. The guys who come, the men who come here, marry local Malay ladies. Mm -hmm. And we must remember that this happened before Islam reached Mm -hmm. our shore. So the Malays here were still Hindus. They were Hindus. So the Hindus from India, the traders, they came here and they married local Malay Hindu ladies here. Mm -hmm. And one uh, good example that still exists is in Malacca, our Kampung Chetty. Mm-hmm. The Chetty Malacca people are where in the beginning the fathers were Indian from India and the mothers are local Malays. Mm-hmm. And they still maintain the Hinduism mm-hmm. side of them and they don't speak Tamil mm-hmm. because they were lo- being looked after by the mother. The mothers have been looking after, they speak Malay. So they are, that's one good example of the existence of the relation between India, Indians and Malays here. Yeah. Now, when we talk about Malays being quote-unquote Hindu at mm-hmm. that time, right? What should we keep in mind? Because Hinduism as well as a very rich, complex tradition has evolved over time and because there was no centralised authority, where well, there still isn't for Hinduism, the form it takes can evolve according yes, to context. Exactly. So what was it like back then to say that Malays were Hindus? What does that mean? Okay, you see, before Hinduism... It's a fact, of course, Islam has not reached here yet. Mm -hmm. So the Malays here or any other part of this Nusantara, Mm -hmm. they were either animist, okay? So when Hinduism came with the teaching, the whole package, it came as a package. The rulers and their custom, their culture, their religion, their way of life, the way and the language. Mm -hmm. We must also remember the language, Sanskrit and also Tamil language all came as a package. And indeed, if we look into the writings of Munshi Abdullah, who we normally call uh, Bapa Kususasra Melayu yes. Melaka, the father of the modern Malay literature, he has mentioned in his autobiography that during that time, a high-class Malay would learn Tamil. Mm-hmm. It's an in thing, mm-hmm. unlike mm-hmm. now. See, So it's mm-hmm. an in thing to learn Tamil. And long before that, when the Malays were influenced by the Indianization... And Munshi Abdullah himself was Indian descent, right? He's an Indian, yeah. uh, Indian Muslim. That's why I always tell people, Indians, that you should be proud. Father of modern Malay literature is an Indian. Mm-hmm. You see? So, the Indians brought along, they came as traders at first. Because of the interaction between the local and the Indians, they brought along with them their religious package. It mm-hmm. came as a package. And uh, the Malay kings, the rulers, were very impressed. And that's why the kings, the rulers, became Hindus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They follow the Malay custom. And if you look at our sultanate now, the way our system works, it's very much still influenced by the Indian way of life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's there, it's very obvious. For example, one good example, we say, oh, only the, the sultans and the raja can wear yellow colour. Why? 
that's the influence from India. It has been practiced there, and uh, we still at times think that the rulers are higher than a uh, superhuman. That's also Indian influence because in Hinduism, ancient time, it is believed that the rulers, the kings. Are not normal human. They are mm-hmm. superhuman mm-hmm. who represent God Himself or mm-hmm. the gods themselves. Mm-hmm. How about in our language, right? Because granted, there's a lot of these rich cultural transmissions. But when people bring this up, and people often get a bit uh, uncomfortable <laughs> to acknowledge it, mm-hmm. I just say, look, just think of the words in our language, like puja, for example, yeah. right? It's it's not just with Sanskrit origins, also religious term. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you have given the example of puja. Even when we speak about shurga and naraka in Malay culture or Malaysian culture, we use the word shurga and naraka. That's from Indian influence. Even though, mind you, in Hinduism there is no shurga and naraka. It does not exist. Heaven mm-hmm. does not exist in the typical Hinduism teaching. But the influence is here. We see shurga, naraka. You name it. If you open a Kamus Dewan. Just flip to any page, you are sure to find a word with Indian origin. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say that Malay, a lot of it is Arabic. We can tell, but a yes. lot of it otherwise is of Indian origin. Indian origin, yeah, Sanskrit, for the most Tamil, part, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. Uh, and sometimes you can just hear it even when they speak Tamil or Hindi. Mm-hmm. You can pick up a lot of cognates, a lot of similar Malay words. Exactly. Now the interesting part is when okay, fine, you've charted the origins, but then there's going to be this period of hybridization, mm-hmm. right? That's the interesting part where they both coexist, okay. right? In very interesting ways, right? Uh, what comes to mind when you think about? Where the Hindu elements and the Islamic elements meet. Okay, the wedding, for example, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's still there. You see, when we talk about the Pongtawa, you see, that's why we have people now, uh, Muslims, saying that the whole process of the wedding, the Malay Muslim wedding, should be cleansed mm. to make sure that it follows the Islamic teaching. But it has become part of the culture, the Malay culture. You can't. Take it away. Of course, some elements have been taken away. We had mandi tolak bala. Mm. I, I don't know the exact term, which is Indian culture. Yeah, siram the, menyiram dulu kan, like the couples would sit. No, no, like, this is not the wedding. You see, oh, oh, uh, every general, year, right, right. yeah, um, tolak bala. They go ah. to the ocean, to ah, the yes, sea, yes. to bath. That is an Indian culture, ah. which is still being practiced among the Indians. But the Malays, they've realized that no, it is not part of Islamic teaching. Mm-hmm. So now we don't hear that anymore. In the 60s, 70s, and even 80s, we still hear about that. Mm-hmm. Now, no more. Yeah, mm. and it's a very jarring transition for me because I grew up in the 80s, where a lot of these things are least talked about, and the newer generation will not have contact with some of these things. You know, even people say bersanding mm-hmm. is yes, Hindu. Yes, exactly, right? because. <laughs> In Islam, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. You're not supposed to showcase. Where else in Indian culture, Indian culture, ancient time, you see, there wasn't any formal uh, wedding. Nobody comes and witnesses the mm-hmm. wedding. Okay, mm-hmm. so the best way is you have your bersanding, where the whole community is there to bear witness that yes, this man is married to this woman. If mm-hmm. any problem occurs, they say no. We are the witness. We were there to see mm-hmm. them as. Man and wife. Yeah, you know, I, I, I get into this discussion with a lot of people, and their argument is that look, you cannot separate Indian culture from Hinduism. It's very embedded. They're very, very close. Mm-hmm. So the reason why they want to quote unquote cleanse these practices is because no matter what you say, they're not purely cultural. 
there are always religious roots and I don't have enough knowledge to counter that but what would you say to that? Okay, of course in Malaysia when we speak about Indians majority are Hindus you see but we have good number of Christians Muslims and Buddhists as well but generally we say Indians equal to Hindus the same way that we say when we speak about Malays Malays equals to Islam mm-hmm. but in India itself we have equal number of Hindus Muslims Christians Buddhists and Buddhism started in India itself. Mm. So, it's just what we perceive, what we think, but that's not the fact. In India itself, for example, if we take Kerala, we have an equal number of uh, Hindus, Muslims and Christians. And whenever there's an Indian celebration or even a Hindu celebration, everybody takes part as brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. If it's Hari Raya, Hari Raya Haji, Kurban, everybody takes part. If it's Diwali, Everybody takes part. All in Kerala, it's Onam. When it's a Onam Onam festival, everybody takes part, regardless of their religion. Mm-hmm. But don't sectarian skirmishes or fights break out though when questions of ritual slaughter are brought up? That kind of stuff. Yes, that does happen yeah. everywhere. So those are the elements where, in Malaysian context, we try to differentiate. As you mentioned earlier, we say that okay, when we speak about Indian culture, it's very much influenced by Hinduism. But hey, we have. Majority Malays watching Hindi movies where the characters are Hindus, they'll be singing songs praising Rama, Sita, Hanuman, or whichever god that you can think of. Yep, yep. And you're right. It's going to drive you nuts to draw these boundaries as if they're so neat and obvious. They're not. There's so much overflowing and overlapping between them, right? And we learn more from those overlaps than to try to separate and divide. Um, Let's take a pause right now. We'll come back to the same topic of Indian influences on Malay culture. And joining us to do that is Utaya Sankar SB, a writer, novelist and activist. And this is me, Ahmad Fat Rahma on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, listening to me, Ahmad Fuad Rahmat. Joining us this week is Utaya Sankar, SB, writer, novelist and activist. And we are talking about the influence of Indian culture and civilization on Malays and more broadly also Malaysia, right? Because culture here just flows very, very smoothly and in the process creating very, very fascinating phenomena and social practices. And in the first part of the show, we talked about some examples, everyday examples of where you can see this in the Malay context. But perhaps we don't want to isolate it to just the Malay context because we don't want to think that this was a thing of the past, that Indian influence was just something that happened, you know, for a few thousand years and it stopped a hundred years ago when Islam grew dominant gradually because the culture is still flowing and it's still influential and it's still relevant today. So to start that discussion, why don't you just describe some of the things that has happened since then, that Indian culture has evolved to modernize, and Malaysians, we just like that, and we incorporate it too. Yeah, if we look at Malay movies, from the very beginning, the storylines are very much the same stories that we have in India. Mm. And our directors came from India. Later, when P. Ramli started making his movies, the storylines are very much Indian, the music, the dialogue. And I like that there's a mixture of comedy, tragedy, action, all, and musicals all in like three hours in the same story. Uh, Are you speaking of P. Ramli movie or Indian movie? (laughs) It's the same. Same, it's the same, yeah. yeah, Exactly. And you see, in Malaysia, let's not only talk about the Malays, as Malaysians, we would always speak about MGR, Rajini Khan, Sivaji Ganesan, Kamal Hassan, or we go for Padayapa and Kabali. Yeah, yeah. So whether we realize it or not, Indian 
movie stars have become part of our life. We are not mentioning about Salman Khan and all the Khans yes, there. Yes, they become yes. part of our life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I watch Kabali, half of the cinema were Malay. Ah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's some consider it a Malaysian movie. Yeah. But what do you say to the fact that there's an argument that's been mm-hmm. made here? It sort of it tries to be moderate. It says yes, Hinduism influenced Malay culture, but it wasn't civilizational. The influence were more about practices. It was more about language, but it didn't change the worldview. Islam was the one that came here. It gave Malays a worldview. It gave Malays laws. It gave Malays adab. Whereas Hinduism before that was just shallow practices, you know, and that's why Malays couldn't really absorb themselves into it because Islam gave something more robust. What do you say to that? Okay, we are not going to say anything against Islam of course, coming of course to not, yeah. Malaysia, of course. But to say Hinduism or Indianization did not do much to the Malaysia, it's it's just denying a fact. Every fact shows that even we can look at Kedaram, Kedah now, or Lembah Bujang, the mm-hmm. Bujang Valley. We can look at Sri Vijaya, Sailendra throughout our this part of the world, where it has been heavily influenced by Indian culture and also Hinduism, and it's it's here to stay. For example, in Indonesia, Bali, Hinduism is here mm-hmm. to stay. Of course, as you mentioned earlier, it's a different variety of Hinduism practice in Bali or in certain part of Indonesia at the moment or in Sumatra now. But the influence is here. When we speak about Mahabharata, Ramayana, it has become part of our. We we can try to deny it, but either physically or in the blood. It's there. The Indian blood is running. Mm-hmm. We can try to deny. Of course, yes. A lot of changes has happened when Islam came for the Malays mm-hmm. to reach our shores. Yeah. But it's unfair and it's unethically, I would say, to claim that Hinduism did not bring anything. And the evolution here occurs for non-Malays as well. In that, for example, the Indians in Malaysia, mm-hmm. right? They have because of interaction with the local context here, develop their own brand of Hinduism. Like you say, Bali is an interesting example. But talk about the evolution of Hinduism in Malaysia itself for the local Hindu community since then. Okay, yes. For Indians in Malaysia, the Malaysian Indians, if we go back to India, we are welcome as Malaysian. If I were to go back to Kerala, I would still go back as a Malaysian. We we will not say, oh, we are Indian coming back to our motherland. No, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no. Of course, we will have certain group who still think India as their homeland. But for the majority of Indians in Malaysia, this is our homeland, and there is a vast difference. For example, here majority we celebrate Deepavali. Every Hindu celebrates Deepavali, but where in fact in India, it's not so. On the northern side, they celebrate Deepavali. In Tamil Nadu, the majority Tamils they celebrate Pongal. Mm-hmm. So there is a difference. If a Malaysian Indian were to go back or visit India, they'll get a cultural shock. Mm-hmm. Even Tamil, the language being spoken by Malaysian Indians, is different from what is being spoken in Tamil Nadu itself. Mm-hmm. Here we have incorporated Malay words. For example, even our local Tamil singers. Their songs has Malay words. It has become part and parcel of the daily life. Mm-hmm. Even songs, they have Malay words. If those words were used in India, they'll be looking at you. What alien language are you speaking? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see, yeah. so it's different. The way a Hindu or an Indian dresses in Malaysia is not the same as the way they dress in India. We can yeah. see these in movies, Tamil movies or Hindi yeah. movies. The way they wear their traditional dress is different from how we wear it here. Yeah. In this country, I think there are two key important points to note. You know, in this discussion, the first is that 
the transmission of culture is always evolving. It's mm-hmm. not static. Exactly. It's not saying this is how it is in India and this is how you're going to do it in Malaysia. It's not exactly. like that. It yep. takes a life of its own. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is that it transcends just Malays in that even Indians, quote unquote, in Malaysia are continuously adapting as well. It's not something that's just you know, a one-size-fits-all thing for all Indians now. Yeah, this has been happening from the very beginning. People try to adapt to the culture. Yep. Okay, I feel that our discussion has focused mostly on Tamils, largely, obviously, because they're the majority yep. Indian mm-hmm. ethnicity here. But how about for the Malayalis or the Telugu? What sort of cultural impact can we think of? Okay, it's good that you mentioned. When we speak about Indians, majority, we speak about Tamil, Tamil language, Tamil school, Tamil education, Tamil culture. But we also have the Telugus with their unique language, their unique culture, their unique custom. As for the Malayalis, same goes. And don't forget the Punjabis, mm-hmm. who are also part of the Indian. They have their unique culture, language, their way of life, and food. Don't forget food. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. food, drinks. So all this should be taken into consideration when we speak about Indian influence. Of course, if you are speaking about Hindi movies, it's more towards the more of the Hindi or the Punjabi mm-hmm. culture is shown there. The wedding ceremony, which is shown in Hindi movies, are mostly Punjabi, northern part. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Tamil movies, it's southern part. And on that point of cultures being localized, the Hinduism in Malaysia. Can you explain that a little bit more? Like, how does it stand out? You know, as its own unique identity. For example, like. Taipusam mm-hmm. is one example where we have really localized it. It's become a focal point for the world, exactly. right? Because the distinct way that celebration has evolved. Give us a sketch of how unique that adaptation to Malaysia has been for Hinduism. Okay, you see, Taipusam is also a very good example where people from India are impressed with the grand scale of celebration that we have here for Taipusam. Where else it's not that grand mm-hmm. in India or Tamil Nadu itself. That's why we have even uh, movie crews coming here to take shots of the celebration here to be included in their movies because here we have it in a bigger scale. Whereas in India, it's a smaller scale and they have many other rituals, many other celebrations for different gods and goddesses in Hinduism. Whereas in Malaysia, Taipusam is the major. Now we are also starting to have celebration for other deities but mm-hmm. it's not as big, as grand or which calls for a public holiday. Mm-hmm. Same thing with uh, Deepavali. We celebrate Deepavali in a large scale. It doesn't happen in India or especially in Tamil Nadu or in Kerala or Telangana, mm-hmm. Andhra Pradesh. It doesn't happen. Where else? Pongal is celebrated in a big scale in Tamil Nadu, India. Mm-hmm. In Malaysia, it is becoming popular, but it's still not as grand as the celebration in India. Why has Morugan become so significant here? Ah, there's a saying in Tamil, of course, Murugan is the Tamil god, okay? And he's associated with Tamil, Tamil culture, Tamil language. The Tamil have adopted him as their god. Mm-hmm. Soon there's going to be a serial on TV from India. The title itself says Tamil Kadaval Murugan, Murugan, the god of Tamils. Mm-hmm. You see, it's how much it's influenced. And since majority of Indians in Malaysia still are Tamil people, they've brought along Murugan as their main deity Mm -hmm. whom they worship. As for the others, they still have other gods and goddesses to be worshipped. But mainly it's Murugan. Whereas in India, northern part, they have Shiva. Shiva to be worshipped. Or in certain part, they have Shakti to be worshipped, the mother goddess to be worshipped. And in Hinduism, there are six 
six sects. One is for Shiva, for Shakti, for Ganabadi, for Murugan. There's the Sun God and the Narayana. Mm-hmm. Six. But in Malaysia, even though we do follow that, I might say that I'll pray to Shiva, for example, or I pray to Shakti. But when there's a Hindu festival in a temple, Anyone who worships Shiva can still go to a Murugan temple. Mm-hmm. Nobody mm-hmm. will stop you and say, hey, you are a Shiva follower, don't yeah. come. But in India, between Vaishnavism and Saivism, there is a difference. Mm-hmm. They try to physically show the difference, the way they dress. You see, But in Malaysia, that does not happen. Anyone can go to a, whichever temple that they want. Mm-hmm. That's how we incorporate with the culture here. Yeah. I mean, this is a separate question, right? In the sense that Indian culture more broadly has its own dynamic, but Tamil culture has its own specific trajectory, right? That you can't just blend and say, because there are ways in which Indian culture offers a particular story of its part in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. But Tamil pride, it seems to me, is more specific than that. Yeah, Tamil pride is very dominant in Malaysia among the Indians, Mm -hmm. as mentioned. Because that's the majority. Yes, the majority yes. voice is heard louder. Yeah, but isn't it also a longer civilization compared to the northern? The northern narrative in India is yeah. sort of dominant, right? But there is a claim that says that Tamil civilization is much older, right? Yeah, when we speak about Hinduism, we say 4,000 years. Mm-hmm. But before that, there has been Sangam, Sangam mm-hmm. literature. But one small mistake or big mistake made by the Tamil people or the Indian are to classify the Sangam era from the literature angle, Mm -hmm. whereas the literature incorporates religion as well, Mm -hmm. the way they perceive God, the way they perceive daily life. Mm -hmm. There are songs in praise of the gods Mm -hmm. in Tamil, the literature. This is long before the Hinduism as we know now. When the name earlier was not Hinduism. Mm -hmm. So it goes longer. See, earlier we mentioned 4,000. If we were to look deeper, it might go for... 10,000 years, mm-hmm. you see? And we have the Tamilagam. What we know now, Tamil Nadu, it's just a state in India. Before this, it was a larger area. Among Malays, we call it Sunda, Dataran Sunda or Lumiria, see? Mm-hmm. And uh, in Tamil, it's called Tamilagam, mm-hmm. you see? Where there was a larger land of Sangam era, during Sangam era, which we could not retrieve now mm-hmm. because of tsunami which happened thousands of right. years ago. Right, yeah. So it's a big culture which evolves and people adjust to changes. People lose something, they gain something new, they adapt to changes and we have what we have now. Yeah, very, very fascinating. Now, we have to wrap up soon, but before we do that, what can you suggest for our audience for reading materials? Like Maybe even some of your works or articles that you believe they can turn to for more insights on this. Okay, for the historical part of Malaysian Indians, there are a few books published in Malaysia. Of course, in India, you have thousands of books about Indian Mm -hmm. civilization, Indian culture or Hinduism Mm -hmm. written in Tamil, Hindi and all the 22 Mm -hmm. major languages plus English. In Malaysia, we have the Malaysian Indian Dilemma, which is a documentation of the historical part of Indians. But sad to say, it only starts with the British. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, as you mentioned, I write in Bahasa Malaysia Mm -hmm. because the whole idea of me writing is for the Malaysian people to read Mm -hmm. and to understand. I've written articles about Indian culture compiled into a book, uh, two books actually. One is Malayur Manikam, which talks about Indian culture, Hinduism, and also about Malay culture and Islam, Buddhism, Christianity, everything is there in Malayur Manikam. And then uh, last year, 
Mandala Bichara, solely about Indian culture, written in simple Bahasa Malaysia so that Indians and non-Indians can read, Hindus and non-Hindus can read and understand the mind of an Indian mm-hmm. in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Well, thank you for the suggestions and thank you also for sharing your, your knowledge with us. I feel like this is really, my sense of it is that this is a really deep field because of the long history, right? And what we can do if we're just lay readers for fun is to capture like 10% of it or something. Yeah, it might be lesser than that. <laughs> might be lesser than that, right? Because we forget just how deep the connection between the two spaces are Mm -hmm. right but hopefully with the suggestions that you gave we can have at least a starting point are you on twitter yes so i guess our listeners can just add you on twitter what's your handle it's utaya sankar Sankar, so they'll find your twitter feed there and you're also on facebook same name utaya sankar Sankar sb yeah (laughs) oh you have a blog as well correct and you're also active with kavian Right. Uh, yes. Can you explain to us what that is a bit? Okay, Kavian, Kumpulan Sastron Kavian, Kavian Writers Group, started off in 1999, a group of Malaysian Indian writers writing in Bahasa Malaysia. The whole idea was to show, to prove that Indians are also contributing to the Malay literature. That was in the beginning. But our activities are in Bahasa Malaysia and it's open to all. We do not go by 50% Indians, 50% non-Indians. No, it's open to all. But now... Our committee members are also non-Indians because we have made it really known to the world that yes, Malaysian Indians are also contributing to the Malay literature mm-hmm. and it's about time that we work together. Mm-hmm. And do you find much resistance or awkwardness from the more established writers or institutions? No, no, because we work together with everybody. That's great. Anyway, thank you so much for joining the show. Always glad to work with you, Taya. Maybe we can have you again on a separate occasion for another topic. You can email us at bfmnightschool at gmail.com. Look us up on Facebook, BFM Night School. Type that in the search space. And be sure to download our app at Google Play or the Apple App Store. I'm Ahmad Fahad Rahman and this is Night School on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.